Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast in building businesses, increasing wealth, and achieving financial freedom. I'd like to bring on guests to hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. My next guest shares his story of going from $50,000 in debt to making about $3 million in revenue a year with real estate. He starts his journey off by talking about getting into engineering school, then becoming an engineer and realizing that working a job can actually take a really long time to pay off debt and to build wealth. That's what led him to creating passive income with real estate. So in this episode, he talks about how long it took to become a full-time real estate investor, what kind of properties he looks for, what are red flags to look for on an application, that part was really valuable, and how he scaled his company to about $3 million in revenue. All right, let's get into it. Please welcome Matthew Pizan. Matthew, welcome to the show. Sean, thanks for having me. Good to have you here. So why don't you kick us off and tell us about your background? Sure thing. So um, I am from the fourth generation of uh, engineers, electrical, mechanical. So I went to college to uh, learn chemical engineering, and I was one test actually away from becoming a licensed chemical engineer. So I just, I never took the test. And um, out of college, so I got my first job in 2010 for a large chemical company. I had no inclinations of being an entrepreneur. I didn't know what real estate ownership even was. And uh, I just knew that I had 50 grand of debt and I needed to get a job to pay it back, which I think is a somewhat typical path for those that take the college route. So I was placed in a career development program for a large chemicals company and we rotated positions. We tried different roles to figure out where we wanted to work in that chemicals company. And um, from there, my first job was I went into an IT role and my boss told me that I was the worst employee he ever had and the company should fire me. <laughs> and uh, I, it was uh, it was hard at the time. I was afraid. I was 22. You know, how am I going to pay all these bills? How am I going to pay back my student loans? What am I going to do? And um, and it, it was eye opening for me. There were no processes, no procedures. It was just sink or swim. Like go build this server. Like that's all it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were using this like ancient coding language. It, it was awful. I I hated it. And uh, apparently he didn't like me. So um, that was when I realized I needed to go into entrepreneurship. And uh, um, I worked for three more years for the same company. I went and did a Fulbright scholarship in Madrid, Spain. And I did my um, a master's in international management degree. And that's when I learned about entrepreneurship, about so- problem solving, using business to create value in society. And I knew when I got back to the US that I wanted to buy houses. And uh, then I started buying houses and working a full-time job uh, at, mm-hmm. in 2014. So I worked a full-time job so I could get loans, was buying houses on the side. And uh, I did that for 10 years, approximately nine years. And uh, now I, I run my own real estate company. So um, that's my general professional trajectory. On the personal side, my wife and I have three kids under three. It's busy at home and uh, um, we wouldn't have it any other way. So um, lots going on. Three kids under three. Are we, are we talking about you got a, a set of twins in there? Oh yeah, yeah. Our twins okay. were born two two months ago. <laughs> Not good for you. <laughs> you. Usually, when I hear three under that age, because I've only run into this before, it's like, okay, there's twins in there for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, lot, lots going on, and we're super happy. That's awesome. I love the backstory here. Fifty k in debt paid off. Um, how long did it take to pay off the fifty k? It took about two and a half years. Um, okay. I 
at the time I think I was making like 60 or $65,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was living really low cost, like in a friend's basement, basically paying next to nothing in rent, um, eating ramen, just rice and beans, you know, just, just doing, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit extreme type thing. So I could pay off that debt, um, and get away from that. Cause I wanted to go to business school. I wanted to go to Europe and I thought that I had to be debt free to do that. I don't know why I thought that, but I thought that I had to get out of debt before I went back to to school. (laughs) So, um, uh, that's yep. 50 grand of debt. Pretty good. Two and a half years. And, and, you know, even though you didn't really have to, it's still good mindset. Um, sounds like you're probably following the Dave Ramsey protocol there. Like, you know, at the don't, time, right. Don't, don't go out to dinner. Don't have any fun. Like fun is I'm just kidding. I got a rag on his program a lot, but, but there are principles that, uh, are, do make a lot of sense. Um, all right, well, let's dive into your business a little bit here. A lot of people that have invested in real estate that have been on this show, they really start with single family and then they kind of graduate to multifamily and then up to syndicate. Did you start with single family? I did. The first house that I bought was a single family and then I bought a four unit. I did an FHA, Um, but I actually, I haven't actually taken any money from investors for syndications and really in the largest property that I own is uh, it's sick. Uh, oh, actually I have two, I have two 10 units. So, okay. but I don't, I don't really do 50, hundred units. I buy a lot of single families and they add up to those numbers, but I don't actually, I didn't take the traditional path, I guess, in real estate ownership. Right. Um, although a few people have done what you did and, and to the listeners out there, this is really important. If you want to invest in real estate, just keep your day job. Number one, cause you can, yeah. you can get help from a bank. There have been people that make the mistake, they go all in and then it's like, oh, you can't get a loan because now you're an entrepreneur with no income. So the banks are like, nope. So it sounds like you kept your your day job for nine or 10 years, you said? That's right. Yeah. Yep. For that very reason. Yep. It, and that is the standard to the listeners out there. If, if this is one of the first episodes on real estate. That seems to be the trend is about 10 years. You want to keep your day job, you're investing, and then you'll have enough revenue and a passive income to say, hey, I can step away from my day job. I'm making more than enough. Um, so sounds like that's exactly what you did. Well, that's right. And <clears throat> excuse me, I know other people that have uh, jumped too soon and then they struggle to get mm-hmm. the loans or they didn't have another build business built up with three years of tax returns. They're just passionate and they jump. Right. And I've seen that happen multiple times. And I, I really just stayed the course and um, I could have probably gotten financing for some of the new purchases, but the value was really in the refinance and then recycling. And in order to get higher cash out, I needed to have the job. And so it, it, right. it was chicken or the egg for a long time for me. Got it. And did you start, uh, hiring a property management company right off the bat? Or did you kind of put yourself in a position where, hey, I'll do some of the maintenance on the, the homes where needed? Uh, well, the maintenance I never did. Um, although I, my, my wife and I did a bunch of uh, renovations just if the mm-hmm. property was vacant, but we never did maintenance or service calls. Um, but I hired, um, I hired a, a property manager that they weren't very good, but I hired them and they did a lot of the management, but I self-managed 10 units um, mm. at, or at, or around the time that I also brought them on. So I was still, you know, taking the Saturday night calls and, Ouch. you know, oh, there's noise, you know, oh, they're bothering me. You know, oh, could I get someone over here to, you know, 
put more salt in this area of the sidewalk, you know, wh- whatever. Right. I, I just, I dealt with that for too long. And, uh, but now I don't, I don't deal directly with the residents. Gotcha. Yeah. Smart play. And this will be good too. We, with this podcast, we dive into the numbers a little bit. So I assume you're paying a property management fee percentage between eight and 15% somewhere in there. Is that correct? I, I usually pay 10%. 10. Okay. Nice. Yep. All right. Well, let's dive into your specific strategy a little bit. We're going to talk about what I'd like to talk about are locations and probably property sizes, what kind of investment levels. So let's start with the locations first. Where are these properties? Are they in your city or area Do or do you invest in other cities outside of your city? Right. So they're within an hour to an hour and a half driving distance from me. When I was getting started, 20 minutes. Um, but now that I'm more comfortable and have a team, I can go further away, but it was okay. just local and mo- the, the property locations within my market. So I, I live in the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, um, right. Allentown, East in Bethlehem, about an hour from Philadelphia North. Um, so a lot of the times they were basically urban type town or row houses, uh, that needed maybe 20 to $30,000 worth of, of work, but almost right. always, um, in ur- an urban environment. Um, in the beginning. Now I buy more suburban or even rural homes, Mm. if it makes sense. But um, in the beginning, it was only urban. Urban, right. Some of the other people on podcasts have talked about finding areas that are closer to, um, let's say, hospitals. Um, If you can get um, nurses and doctors, somebody who's who's in med school, the reason is a lot of these people, they're renting, but they're not really living in your your property, which means there's no parties. There's no breaking of equipment or or utilities. Um, That's a good renter. Um, So I'm curious, what's your strategy? What kind of properties are you looking for on the urban side? Yep. um, Workforce housing, long-term family uh, type situations where they tend would tend to stay. Um, I've purchased a lot more single family homes. They're more desirable. There's a yard. Um, they there's there typically is more privacy than um, like a an apartment building um, with shared spaces and different things. So um, that's been my model. But I also don't like the transiency of some of like the medium term rentals, especially the short term rentals. It's a lot more management intensive versus a family that's that lives there for five or seven years which is who we try to cater to so um that's what i've found the the turnover costs are killer so i've tried to buy the properties where it's likely that a family would stay but to your point near amenities near hospitals near grocery stores if uh putting uh washer dryer hookups in the homes but if you can't, or it's an apartment situation, is there a laundromat nearby? Like what do people need? And then being close to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good, good call. I never thought of it that way. I always thought of like, that's great. If you can find an area that has, you know, nurses, um, uh, doctors in med school, um, uh, police officers just getting started firefighters. I say police officers and firefighters because I actually talked to a guy who said they're great because they're usually very responsible. They're not going to throw a party in most cases. There may be anomalies out there, but <laughs> they're going to take pretty good care of your apartment. And of course, everybody, not everybody, but certain people get to a certain point in their life where they saved up money and then they can go buy their own home. But but it's a good demographic to focus on first. Um, I've never asked this question before. Um, when you're looking at applications and who who can stay in the properties that you're renting, what are some red flags that jump out at you? 
Oh yeah, we have a whole procedure on that. I mean, we we look at the the credit report of the applicant. Do they have recent? So what's the score? But then why is the score what the score is? Got it. Um, we look for employment. Like how how long have they been at their current employer? Um, or are they hopping around jobs a whole bunch? Um, have they had periods of uh, where yeah. where they haven't had income? Um, now that's not to say that um, you know if if someone is receiving social security income or unemployment income or other things, that's fine too. It's just, if, if there's six months where we don't know what's going on, that's a red flag. Um, how long were they at the prior residence? Were they at 10 homes in five years? Um, then it's likely they're going to be at 11 homes in five and a half years. Right. So, um, you know, all, all those, all those types of things we try to gather, we, we call the, the current uh, landlord where they're living just to verify. We call the employers. Uh, sometimes we see fake pay stubs and other things. So we just call and verify. Um, I mean, there's just, there's just so much, we've, we've seen it all with respect to the, all the applications and, you know, do, do they, I mean, an obvious one is do they make enough money to, right. to pay the rent? Right. So the minimum we accept is two and a half times, um, what the rent is for their take home pay, just because if it's any less than that, they're extremely cost burdened. It's yes. more than for more than 40% of their income is going to rent. It's not going to work. Right. So, um, all those things are things we look for. Got it. And today you have a little over, it sounds like 200 properties or, or, or That's right. uh, would you call them properties or more doors? Uh, I, doors. I don't really like that term, but okay. yeah, it's, it's like, you know, houses or apartments. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I've, I've, cause I've been down this road, you know, some people phrase it as doors, you know, you could yeah. have a, an eight unit complex. There you go. You got eight doors, one building. Um, but uh, yeah, good call there. And then what is the the average rent you like to collect per unit? Yeah, so it depends if it's one, two, three, or four bedrooms or whatever it is. But um, And it depends on the market. But in my area, a one-bedroom will rent for $900 to $1,000. A two-bedroom, $1,000 to $1,100. three-bedroom, maybe $1,150 to you know, $1,250. Now, if it's a three-bedroom house, though, it might fetch... 1395. Um, and then four bedrooms might be, you know, 1314 to, you know, 1617 if it's the house. Sure. Okay. Interesting. I've heard, you know, you get to get up to three, four bedrooms, they can be 2000 or more. So it sounds like you're where you're living. Um, housing is maybe a little more affordable. I could be wrong on this, but I have heard numbers right. that can push 2000. Oh yeah. I mean, there was an article, I think it was the wall street journal three or four years back, but Allentown was one of the most undervalued markets, mm -hmm. uh, in the United States. So it, it's, um, we're close to Philadelphia, New York, and there's, there's issues in affordability issues, other issues in those locations. And, um, the Lehigh Valley has been a, uh, a safe haven for affordability and quality of life that some of the larger areas with bigger problems, um, sure. you know, people come to this area. So. Gotcha. And do you have kind of like a threshold, like for profit margin you'd like to make per property? So I, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I, the, the passive income side of things, I really like to be a positive $200, um, per unit per month, but it's tough to really quantify that because you could have a roof go bad and then, all right, well, it's going to take four years to pay that back. And so it, it, it's tricky. The, the way that I look at, okay, am I going to buy an asset or a house or am I not going to buy it? I really want it. I want to be all in 
for 80% of what it's worth. So if it's worth $200,000, I want to be into it for 160. Mm-hmm. And it's just enough of a margin. And then my cash flow is good enough to sustain um, on a passive income basis. Gotcha. So how do you scale this type of business? Right. So I was working full time. And th- the question that I get is, well, how did you grow while you were working full time? And you know, how do you do both? And And it really comes down, first, you have to learn what you're doing and you have to get educated to try to avoid as many mistakes as possible. That's just fundamental. You don't want to lose money in the business. You want to make money. So you need to get educated and know what you're doing. But how do I do that? I'm working a full-time job. Well, I spent nights and weekends. I would get up early on Saturdays. I met a group of investors. We'd go around and look at properties. I met people, built relationships, got educated. And I had to in order to say yes to those things, I had to say no to other things. And so I needed to avoid doing, you know, going out to parties or doing other things like that because I was investing in my business and growing full-time my real estate, or I was working full-time and investing in, in real estate. So, but then there's like the practical aspect of, well, how do I buy that many properties? How do I finance that many properties? And it's, uh, you, you have to just, get enough at bats. You have to create a marketing funnel. You have to put in enough offers where you're going to get enough deals to look at where they make sense. Um, and you get a good enough deal where you can refinance and bring your capital back out. Um, and then you do it again. So um, that's what I was able to do while working full-time. It required tough choices, and uh, but it required a vision and commitment. Yes, that's that's so inspirational. You hear this not only in the entrepreneurial space, but um, you know, those of you that listen out there to or follow sports a lot, some of the top athletes is this um, this focus and this commitment, and at the same time, sacrifice. You got to say no to probably a lot more than you say say yes to. But if you stick to the plan, great things can happen. In your case, is about nine or ten years. You just st- that's a long time, but I give you a lot of. A lot of credit there. Sticking to the plan, I can be financially free. I can be without a boss here. If I get enough properties, enough revenue coming in, um, say goodbye to um, not being good at setting up servers. It sounds like <laughs> that's right. Yeah, <laughs> never doing that again. <laughs> Those days are done. It's yeah. a good feeling, if, right? If, if my old boss is watching this, uh, I doubt he is. But if he is, thank you. You did me a huge favor. <laughs> <laughs> that was like yeah. you know Mark Cuban, one of the the sharks from Shark Tank. He even said he was the worst employee. He had no choice but to be an entrepreneur. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I liked I I learned a lot as an employee, and and maybe sure. like part two of the question you asked about growing growing the business. I, I learned so I was working in SAP. I was working in Salesforce. I yeah. saw on the inside. I was a man. I had eight direct reports, and I was um, I I was learning and and operating a company at a high level international. That's an international company. So I took those learnings and I applied it to my own business. So I'm not saying that being an employee is bad. I learned a lot of skills that allowed me to at from multinational companies that allowed me that I could implement my own business. So as long as you're in the right employment situation, that's that's don't just work to work, work to learn, right? Yes. So yeah. I 100% agree because I I spent about 
12 years. My goal with this is going back to like 2010. I wanted to work two years in big business, turned into 12. It took a little longer than expected, but um, before I could go full-time with with a company ticker today. Um, But yeah, my objective, yeah, it's good to learn your job, but that's not your goal. Like I always tell you, you want to learn the business. How does a business really scale I look at the triple threat, marketing, sales, and operations. How do you scale those three things? How do big businesses, especially public companies, how do they do that? So it sounds like you did the exact same thing. Like get in, do your best on your job, but learn learn the company. How does this company scale? How does it move? Because you can always apply that to another business you work for, another company you work for, or in your case, start your own business. Yeah, that's right. And I, I took the, um, I took the approach that I'm going to work to, to learn and I'm going to learn how, cause I, I had to train folks. I had to mentor folks. Mm-hmm. I had to be a leader. And so now that I'm starting, that I started my own company, I can apply those principles here. So I mean, that was, that was huge. I learned a lot working for a large company. A question I didn't ask just to backtrack a little bit. You, you did the, or went nine to 10 years, how many properties did you have at that point that gave you the ability to go full-time and do this on your own? I had about 140 properties with like 20 um, on the docket. Then I thought, you know what? (laughs) I I just, for me, it was an opportunity cost because um, my, my, my wife had, you know, we had, we had our son um, and this is before we had the twins. And I just realized, wow, I'm going to have to choose between my job, my family, and buying real estate. And I wasn't willing to give up my family. <laughs> I wasn't willing to give up buying real estate. So that left the job. Um, th- yeah. That left the job. And I, but I, I had accumulated enough. I had planned enough. I had executed enough where it, it was time. And I saw that the value of my time, I, w- I was taking a pay cut by working my job. And I wasn't willing to, and I was losing time with my family and getting stressed. And I just decided that's it. Yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. Sit, you hit a certain point, you know, you want to bootstrap. I'm a big fan of bootstrapping. Like you want to keep your job, keep things moving in parallel. Um, and that business, whatever it is, whether you're investing in real estate or starting a company, whether it's service or product based, um, you're going to have to move things along. You figure out what moves the needle the most. You get, you get really good at time management, but yeah, you got to pull the plug at some point. Like you did, I'm out of here. It's time to do this. Well, that's right. And and for us, it was after we closed on our our primary residence, and you know, and then mm-hmm. I, I took a little bit more time to make sure everything was good. But um, I remember I told my boss that I was moving on, and I thought that I would feel really happy. And I guess I was, but I was more. It was more of a humbling yeah. um, uh, experience for me that okay, it's it's all on me. There's no. <laughs> There's no boss anymore. There's no one giving me a paycheck. It's up to me now. So it was a little bit, it was a sobering experience. It was, uh, it wasn't what I had imagined for all those years that I was just gonna, I don't know. I don't know what I thought, have some type of a party or, you know, oh, this is going to be great. It was a little bit more like scary and okay, I got to buckle down now. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if you have a family, it's like, well, I'm starting this business for a reason, like to help my family, you know, put my family in your case, put your kids in a good spot financially. I imagine it's like, you got to do this. It's now or never. And it's, we're not going to sit around here playing games. It's like, it's go time. Um, that that's at least the language I tell myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's, that's what happened for yeah. me. I, I was, uh, um, I buckled down and, uh, and really got to work and, and that's how I, once I had the time full time to build the business, that's when I started recording 
uh, Zoom calls and building documents, building procedures. Okay, we have this acquisitions funnel. Who does what? What and how? How do they do that? Where's the training? Like, show me the documentation. Was what I said to myself for the past year. Because if it's not, if it's all in my head, there's no organizational knowledge. There's no. Uh, it, it's everyone's coming to me and I need to give them training tools. So I spent the last year really building the infrastructure. Yes. Nice. And how big is your team today? Uh, right. So our team, um, so we have two acquisitions managers that are locally, we have about, well, it's five, it's about to be six office staff myself, and then a couple of part-time employees, uh, and then some various 1099s. And then of course, all the management companies. I mean, we probably indirectly employ twenty or thirty people between yes. the rehab crews and and uh, the managers, the office staff. But they're on that. That's a ten ninety nine relationship. Yes, yes, kind of like a contractor base. Yep. Right, gotcha. but um, it's uh, it's ten full time employees. Good for you. Um, awesome. Yeah. And can you share with us what are the the top line revenues of the company to date? Right. So um, it's. On the rental side, we're doing about we're doing a little over three million dollars of rents collected nice. every year. Um, but then we also sell properties that we've owned for maybe seven or eight years. So hmm. we sold about um, one point five million dollars worth of like basically capital gains um, in yes. so far this year. Um, so I mean, we'll offset some of that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. that's just a general like temperature check on where we're at. Nice. Good for you. I assume you just reapply that, you know, take the, uh, the revenue you generate from selling, put it back into other properties you've identified. Well, that's right. Or we do improvements. We repair, you know, we, okay, we have these, we, we have this bucket of capital projects we have to do with this roof, this boiler, this facade, whatever. And we yeah. invest, we re- reinvest into the properties we already own before we buy new ones. Um, because for me, I, I was never the type of like, you know, suck the property dry, like do no, do no repairs, like profit at all costs. That was never me. I always saw the family who's living there. Is it a good experience for them? Will they want to stay? So we reinvest, but then we also, um, we also, yeah. And we also save for reserves and then whatever's left, we, we buy more with. Yeah. You, you hit a hot point there, which can be applied to really any business is talk to your customers, yeah. find out those pain points. And you can, if you want, cause you made a really good point about long-term renters. It's, it's a lot of headache of, of like the turnover costs. If you can keep somebody there longer, go ask them, Hey, are you satisfied? What improvements can we make on the property to incentivize them to stay longer? I, th- I think that's brilliant. Yeah, well, it's it's we're going to have to find someone else to live there anyway, and the most obvious person to live there is who's already there. So <laughs> we we really try to. It sounds so yeah. obvious, but trust me, I I would get the when I started out, I would get the cheapo faucet and the you know the the you know whatever, just the the shower kit, you know the the mixer kit and all this stuff, and it's just and it would break six months later. They get annoyed, and I would be too, right? So I've just I found that the the best way to succeed in the business is to do things right even though it costs more money. Yes. Um yes. yeah, so but ask me how I know this stuff it's cuz I made all the mistakes and I <laughs> I still make mistakes but it's um it's about the long-term thinking. Sure. Sure. Love it. Good mindset. Let's take a quick commercial break. 
Hey, this is a quick heads up that we have a second podcast titled Top Stocks. With Top Stocks Podcast, I talk about investing, business, and finance. The audio content is published on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify, Google, or Amazon. And the video content is published on the Ticker YouTube channel, so you can either watch or listen to each episode. These episodes are just me, so no interviews. And the overall goal is to help you become a better investor. Go ahead and look up Top Stocks Podcast or check out the Ticker YouTube channel. All right, back to the show. Uh, before we jump to the rapid fire round, is there one good takeaway you can give to aspiring entrepreneurs out there that are working a full-time job and maybe want to get into real estate? Get educated. Um, so there are lots of websites, lots of forums, lots of books. I've read, I read probably 60 or 70 books on real estate investing before I bought my first property. You can learn trial by fire, but it's painful and you'll get burned. So I would say read as many books as you can, listen to podcasts, get educated and save yourself the headache and heartache of making all the mistakes yourself. Someone already made that mistake. You just have to go find out what it was and don't do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I know this because I've not followed that advice so many times that the universe just beat it into my head. <laughs> that I just go read, like, look it up. It's all the answers are out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Great advice. All right. Let's dive into the rapid fire round. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who Matthew really is. If you can try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right. What is your favorite podcast? I love Get Rich Education with Keith Weinhold. Um, Keith is fantastic. I totally reverse my money mindset. Thanks to him. And uh, I'd recommend it for anyone who wants to learn to invest in real estate and build wealth. Yes, good recommendation. All right, next question. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Um, I just read Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. And this is a great book on systems, processes, scaling, but like a practical way. What do I need to do day to day to get myself to buy back my own time so that I don't have to do the tasks of my business. I can work on my business. Yeah. Dan Martell. I do like his content. He's a good guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Dan's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Movie question. Here we go. What is your favorite movie? So I'm not a big movie guy, but, um, I just watched home alone and I've always watched that movie. I love it. It's great. And, and we're recording this around the holidays. So love that movie. Just always cracks me up. It's it's on the list. I had to hit the usual suspects for Christmas movies, starting with Die Hard, moving over to Christmas Vacation. Um, there's one more in there. Not as good, but I can't think of it. But uh, yeah, Home Alone, it's on the list. Oh, yeah. Top for me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. What is the worst advice you ever received? Get out of debt. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I spent three years trying to reduce my debt payments from like 450 bucks a month to zero. If I only would have realized that I could have took, take all that, I, if I could have taken all that money and bought four houses that made 150 bucks each, the residents could have paid it off. But instead I was living in friends' basements and cutting my lifestyle to pay off debt when I could have just been using rents. I could have taken on more debt instead of getting out of debt to accomplish my goals. You've given a ton of great advice in this episode. And that right there, I love that. There's so many people, they can't stomach a little bit of debt and it it puts blinders up in front of them and what can be achieved. And what you just explained there is brilliant. 
I only know because I did it all wrong and I lost three years of cutting my lifestyle. Um, My early 20s, I should have been doing different things, enjoying, learning, growing, and I was afraid. And it drove me to make decisions that um, I regret. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Flip that equation. What's the best advice you ever received? Get mortgages and buy property. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> literally exactly advice, the opposite. Yeah, if, if the worst advice was get out of debt, I, the best advice mm-hmm. is here's how you mm-hmm. use debt as a tool. You you can use a hammer for good or you can smash your finger, right? So if you get educated, going back to my first answer, and you learn how to use debt as a tool and as an instrument, um, it can be a valuable asset. Um, but if you don't, then you can get burned. So get mm-hmm. educated, learn how to use debt appropriately, scale a business, build a team, and uh, get educated to do all those things. Yeah. It is the name of the game with real estate. You do have to stomach some debt, but um, you do things right, it can pay off. It's leverage. Yeah. It's leverage. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Last question here, the time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I would go back to when I was 18, first going to college. Um, I still would go. Um, I went to Lafayette College. I still would go. But I would tell myself to focus on the reason that I was going, <laughs> which was that I wanted to have a profession, make make money, achieve, build wealth. And I would have said to my 18-year-old self to focus less on the um, the schooling and the education part and more on the reason why I was there um, and really study money, study wealth um, and get to the whole purpose of why I went to that school to begin with. Yeah. Awesome. Love the advice. All right, Matthew, where can the audience reach you? Uh, they can reach me on my website, peasonproperties.com. Uh, they can uh, uh, fill out our form there and love to talk to anyone who's interested in learning about real estate. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. We'll see you. Sean, it's been a pleasure, Sean. Thank you. Hey, I'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for spending some time with me. And if you have a moment, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The more reviews we get, especially five-star reviews, the higher this podcast will rank in Apple. So thanks for doing that. And remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only. If you heard any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please do not buy or sell those stocks based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll see ya.